Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A huge thank you to Neon, our favorite New Zealand streaming service, for making this episode of Culture Vulture possible. Kia ora, everybody. We're nervous. For some weird reason, we I think it's the morning. It's just been a bit of a kerfuffle of a morning, well, traffic-wise. It, it's the long weekend. No, it's not because of the morning. It's because we're talking about something that I think we low-key really care about. Oh. <laughs> Weird for us. I think it's about Lucy maybe having to do a parallel park and me getting nervous on behalf of it. No, that's not why I'm nervous. I'm nervous (laughs) because I feel like what we're about to talk about is like erupting out of me. Oh, okay. It's that pre-podcast anticipation. But if you're nervous about my parallel parking, then Well, I'm nervous about everyone's parallel parking. (laughs) So (laughs) drive crash. Yeah, exactly. So today we are talking about the show that's on everyone's lips. Isn't it? Euphoria. Lips and lists. Lips and lists and TikToks. Mm-hmm. Euphoria. And just everything that people seem to be getting wrong about euphoria and a lot of baseless claims that we're here to debunk. A whole lot of baseless claims. Yeah, there's, it's a really, really interesting conversation and I really can't wait to get into it. Same. First, Luce, what describes your week? Um, well, my week. This doesn't really describe my week, but it is an anecdote that I told on the weekend and if you... Read the news editor, then you've heard it, and it makes me cringe to think about. This is something I was going to take to my grave. I don't even know how it came up in the weekend, but we are spilling secrets. On yeah, we absolutely are. No, this is about my friend Rebecca. Oh, <laughs> I was like, what anecdote are you talking about? And then, okay, this is a fucking great one. Well, okay, so I don't even know why this came out, but when I was younger, like, we all did this. We'd record ourselves singing, like... Whether you're good, whether you're bad, it's whatever. I'm sure we all went into our voice notes and recorded ourselves singing. Me and Love actually were singers, so we recorded ourselves singing, like, all the time. All the fucking time. Just to check back. Nice days. Have I got it? Have I lost it? Have I got it? (laughs) And I used to um, record myself singing or playing a guitar or piano and then show my brothers or, like, walk into my brother's room. And be like, so guys, this is my friend Rebecca singing. Like, what do you think? <laughs> and I would just be like, Lucy, we fucking heard you in the next room. We know you don't have a friend called Rebecca. Like, we know this is you. We've heard you singing your whole life. And How old were you when you do this? Oh, my God. Like, this would be like year eight. Like, I'm maybe even thinking like <laughs> year nine. I'm thinking maybe I was in a music room at school. That's amazing. And oh, this is Rebecca from my music class. Like, yeah. she's a little bit shy. What do you think? And I think part of me knew that they knew. And part of me was doing it for a joke, not knowing that it would come up on a podcast. Like, what? You know, I don't know. Eight years part of you, before. yeah, was doing it for content part for a future podcast. Part of me does everything for content. <laughs> but um, anyway, it makes me cringe to think about that. Nah, that was so funny. And it was just a running joke all weekend. Like, like well, did Rebecca do that? Yeah. Like, like whenever I do anything embarrassing, I can just be like, no, that was Rebecca. It was Rebecca. Anyway, oh, Liv, so what describes good. your week? Well, first, I'm actually feeling so grateful that you've exposed yourself as well. <laughs> I'll keep doing it. We'll keep doing it. Eh? I think so. I think, I think so. so. Um, what describes my week? Well, euphoria. 
literally describes my week. I nearly spat my coffee. Like, we have been talking about euphoria All nonstop. week, nonstop. Everything that I've been watching, consuming is all about euphoria. Everything I'm watching on YouTube, Euphoria, Euphoria. interviews, panels. We, we just watched the latest episode of Euphoria, like in Holy shit. Episode five. That we'll blow your bloody socks off. Fucking crazy. Oh, well, Euphoria's a great one. Also, yeah. all our like chats with people at work have just been about Honestly, Euphoria. Honestly, everything about Euphoria. I was trying to think of something else, but I was like, that is what has consumed yeah. my week. Yeah. And obviously, it's a topic of discussion today. So... There we go. Oh, love that. And I'm fuck. I'm I'm gonna keep the naughty or nice this week as quick as possible because honestly, there's just too many thoughts about euphoria and um I wanna get to them. First, my first naughty or nice. Yay went off this weekend about North's TikTok. So Liv, have you seen Northwest's TikTok? No, I haven't. So that's okay. It's a TikTok that's run like a joint account between Kim and North because like, they don't want their kids to be running wild on any of these platforms. But these kids are like, I guess they're feeling like they're missing out when everyone else is using these platforms. Totally. And they're like, you're famous, so you can't. And actually, our friend Jin, when we did um, the episode on the Kardashians, she brought up a really good point that the one audience that the Kardashians struggle to reach is, like, TikTok because it's not as, like, clean and shiny. You know, they do everything so well mm. in, like, that kind of flawless Manufactured way. way. Manufactured way, which doesn't bode well on TikTok. So they kind of, well, she theorized that they use their kids yeah to stay to, relevant oh, exactly what a great theory and mm-hmm. like like whether they use their kids as a pr move or as like wanting their kids to not miss out because like mason disick really like hilariously used to go on tiktok and he courtney kept making him delete his tiktoks because he would like ear out their dirty laundry like he'd get on there and just be like blah 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 this and this secret and this well and i've seen together. the one when North just like runs around the house and then and runs she's into on Kim's, live. Yeah, runs into Kim's room and Kim's like, "No, you can't be doing that." And like gets up off her bed and then the live ends. So, so you do know a little bit about the bit, kids on yeah. TikTok. So, um, just before we really get into this dis- discussion, as always with Yay, um, it is helpful to mention that he obviously goes through some quite big bouts of mania and then like low lows as well. So he does have mental health issues. In this case, like, this doesn't excuse the behaviour. It's just something to keep in mind when um, listening to stories like this. So, essentially, in the weekend, yay, posted a screenshot to Instagram of, like, North, who's eight, and, like, her TikTok account saying, since this is my first divorce, I need to know what I should do about my daughter being put on TikTok against my will. And then she, and he shared a lot of shit. Like it was, a, you know how he goes on sort of mm-hmm. rampages on Twitter and shit. For like sure. This was one of them. And he shared screenshots of Candace Owens, who we all know once was, she was the person that said Harry Styles' fashion was an attack on manly men. That's She's right. super conservative, like it, Candace Owens. Anyway, he's shared a screenshot from her, like, backing him up, being like, yeah, North shouldn't be on TikTok. He just went off, right, on social media. Kim Kardashian, who usually doesn't really publicly release statements back against things like this, especially when it's to do with Ye, she actually posted, like, a statement saying, and these are her words, Kanye's constant attack on me in interviews and on social media is actually more hurtful than any TikTok North might create. As the parent who is the main provider and caregiver for our children, I'm doing my best to protect our daughter while also allowing her to express her creativity in the medium that she wishes with adult supervision because it brings her so much happiness. 
Divorce is difficult enough on our children and Kanye's obsession with trying to control and manipulate our situation so negatively and publicly is only causing further pain for all. From the beginning, I've wanted nothing but a healthy and supportive co-parenting relationship because it is what's best for our children and it saddens me that Kanye continues to make it impossible every step of the way. I wish to handle all matters regarding our children privately and hopefully he can finally respond to the third attorney he has had in the last year to resolve any issues amicably. And then Yay, who like, we can't forget that like Yay, you know, he, he talked about him wanting Kim to abort North and like he has been really, he really said some hard for very, Kim to deal with. Very difficult things. And now him and Julia Fox and stuff, like no one's telling him to like stop flaunting this because it's bad right, for the kids. Imagine if Kim was doing that. Yeah. Like the I mean whole, kind of with Pete Davidson, but not true, on that but level. Not There's on not that not extent a Fox of, News segment and interview in, man. I know. I know. So then what Ye did next was first he boasted what do you mean by main provider? America saw you try to kidnap my daughter on her birthday by not providing the address. Again, we talked about this in our PR episode on um, the Kardashians, and like that's a whole other story. Just wildly about. different to what actually happened. Absolutely. He then continued to like just go off on Kim, claiming that she put a hit out on him. He started this conversation like on social media. Um, he also exposed messages that. He said were from one of Kim's cousins offering him her support. And then she actually went, apparently Kim's cousin went and asked if she could buy stock from his Yeezy shoe line. Oh now, I'm going to read you the combo because this, this is kind of comedic. Of course. Of so course this happened. apparent Kim's cousin said, Hi, how are you? Hope all is well with you and the kids. I saw your post on Instagram about TikTok too and your daughter. I'm happy to share what I know about that since I'm a single mum and want to keep my kids off the internet. Call me or let me know if you want some information. Hope to see you all soon. And then all he replied was, I don't feel like talking about it more. And she said, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to upset you. He just said, I'm not upset. Then she said, is it safe to buy Yeezys on StockX? Andrew wants belugas. We love to see you and the kids soon. And then he just said, don't ask me about Yeezys right now. Oh, my God. I know. Like, it's quite comedic. And then the That's caption... the most hilarious thread. No, Sad, know. but hilarious. No, well, Ye's response is so blunt. And then he, he captioned it, I do this for every parent on either side whose kids' futures are being one-sidedly controlled. I gave that family the culture. If they, as a whole unit, keep playing games with me, I will take that culture back. A father should never have to beg for the location of their children. And then, again, he said... Yesterday, Kim accused me of putting a hit out on her, so let me get this straight. I begged to go to my daughter's party, and I'm accused of being on drugs. Then I go play with my son, and I take my Akira graphic novels, and I'm accused of stealing. Now I'm being accused of putting a hit on her. These ideas can actually get someone locked up. They play like that with black men's lives, whether it's getting them free or getting them locked up. I'm not playing about my black children anymore. Now, one little bit in that, like, rant, Mm. the playing with black men's lives, I mean, Put blatantly, like, that's quite unfair to say like that. We did have a conversation in our Kardashian episode about how the Kardashians can often use who they're dating for culture, like he's mentioning. Not in this way, but there is a really interesting conversation to Definitely be had a there. very interesting conversation. But also for him to say, I mean, he has very sort of, I don't want to use narcissistic tendencies, like, lightly, but to say, like, I gave them the culture, I gave them this, I can take it back. Yeah, is, and how he'll just go on these sort of rampages and yes. then obviously come off of 
the maybe more manic side of yes. you know what's happening He's and then through. yeah and then we'll come back and kind of be like oh well sorry you know a lot of apologies are often issued yeah. well often he doesn't issue apologies yeah sometimes he does though well like i think a lot of the time that's one of the things that like gets me and we'll get into this because mm. we're going to do a series on yay but like i think a lot of the times he doesn't really show that much remorse like he and this has happened with this. He deletes everything. Right. Like, with this, he's taken them all down. Kind of just retracts. Yeah. And, like, whether that's his publicist finally catching up or, like, him coming off of maybe what was a manic state. Like, and, and I assume because he's trying to get back with Kim and stuff, maybe he, like, in his heart, he's probably like, fuck, what have I done? But... It's oh. a really sad situation. Yeah. Like, any sort of divorce. I feel so bad for Kim, though. Happening like this. Yeah, it's super... Oh my god, I can't even imagine having that public of a divorce with someone who is out of you on social media. And I feel like you just don't know what you said in private, like with the abortion thing. What is going to be re-brought up that right? was once in confidence. Oh. So just to finish this off, um, Kim shared some screenshots of Mason, who we talked about earlier, who's who's done a few rounds on TikTok. He's been around the bend a few times, um, offering some support. Mason said to Kim, Hi, I don't want to disrespect North, but I don't think she should do the lives, TikTok lives, someone, unless someone is with her because people are always screen recording and she might tell information that isn't correct and stuff like that. Obviously, he's had experience. Just in case, for safety. And then Kim responded, I appreciate you looking out for Mason, and I agree. She felt bad. I don't think she'll do it again, but it's it would be good if you talked to her about it. And then Mason said, I'd love to talk to her about it. <laughs> Next time I come over, maybe. And then she said, yep, sleep over soon or something. Aww. It was like amazing reaching out. I mean, again, there's something about Kim then putting that on social media. But totally. It's like, I mean, the whole family is interesting. But yeah. yes. Um, and then, again, before we sort of sign off this story, because I don't really, I mean, uh, it's, I don't have smart analysis on all of, all of that. You've heard it all now, yeah, everyone. You I'm make your... really excited to actually deep dive into Yay, hopefully later on. Same. Um, when we can actually get into the nitty gritty. I know. Of... I want to read all his controversies and all his, like, what he gave to the world and, like, balance them up. And, oh, I can't wait. Anyway, I just thought it would be kind of good to say that, obviously, we've just talked a lot about the Kardashians. Um, just to make sure we're not falling into the, like, PR distraction machine, I want to bring up Astro World really quickly. Um, lawsuits, obviously, still being levied against Travis Scott, who's just had a baby with Kylie. Again, I don't really want that to overshadow what happened at Astro World. So about 400 lawsuits have been rolled into one like big case against him, which is not unusual. However, Travis Scott, um, in an interview that I think was actually in December, but I've only just came across it, basically mm-hmm. he was asked if he thought people were forcing responsibility onto him for the tragedy, and he said, well, yeah, you know, I'm the face of the festival, I'm an artist, so yeah, the media is, they want to put it on me. And I'm like... It's sort they of the wanna... responsibility you bear. Well, we've talked about this. It's like they don't sure. want to put it on you. It's put on you because it's your thing. And it's um, with Live Nation, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. And they're not left out of the lawsuits either. But like saying like, you know, that it's not to do with me is a massive cop out. Anyway, that whole story is naughty. Naughty, naughty, naughty. naughty, naughty. naughty, naughty. Yeah, naughty all round. Naughty Absolutely. all round. Kim, I feel for you. You just oh. do you. Poor woman. Stick in Staten Island with Pete Davidson for a while. Damn, whatever Are they still any more? Yeah, so many photos coming out of them. Just oh, like, bless. I don't know. Could be PR again. 
Anyway, my next thing, which ties into Euphoria, allegedly, this is massively allegedly, this could be false, Tom Holland and Zendaya might have bought a house together. I'm obsessed, they're 25, it's in London where um, Tom's from, and I'm just kind of like, cute. That's like our first, our generation couple, like, sort of fully like up getting together like, yeah. yeah this could be false i read it on buzzfeed who put a little note at the end saying like we can't verify these sources and we need to put that in here because <laughs> a lot of people do think that that's all pr yeah well but, i know i just don't believe i mean trust you guys don't want to believe it i don't, I don't want to believe that it's pr but just seeing them together i don't know the I chemistry just hope it's real can you fake looked, that the chemistry is just I undeniable. Mean, but we did see her acting skills last night. Oh, she's amazing. And that story is just fully nice. It's, yeah, it's just nice. nice. Lovely, if it's real. So nice. Naughty if it's fake. Anyway, I can't wait to deep dive into Euphoria. But first, let's deep dive into a word from our sponsors. <laughs> okay, Liv. So I took Ruby's recommendation from last week and I have started watching The Great. Did you start watching it? Oh, yes. I actually I have. I've, I'm only on the second episode. Mm-hmm. But actually love it. Yeah. The sort of comedy period drama thing. I didn't really know if it would work, but it does. And I feel like Ruby like prefaced it to us being she like, this did. is what you're in for. Also, the other night I just, and I know I flatmates did too, just finished watching Yellow Jackets, which everyone's talking about. It is fucking good. Warning, it is a little bit scary. Yeah, I think I'd have to be in the right mindset, but I think I will get there because I do want to watch it. Yeah, I think you will really like it. And like, to be honest, you should go and watch it. Everyone, you can watch The Great or Yellow Jackets or Euphoria. I mean, we've actually talked about quite a lot of these in the podcast just today. Um, or whatever your heart desires on Neon, starting with a 14-day free trial because we love free stuff. We do love free stuff. It's also our favourite New Zealand-based streaming service and it's actually the reason, as you all know, that Culture Vulture exists. So thank you, Neon. We love you. We're obsessed. We love you, Neon. Luce, before we get into discussing Everything about Euphoria, um, just a little content warning. Obviously, Euphoria really does go deep into some really dark themes. Um, so don't watch it if you're not in the headspace for it. We're not going to deep dive into the really triggering themes in this exit. So hopefully you'll be okay, but just, you know. Listen with care. Exactly. It's, a, it's, your a, toes. Deep, it's a deep show. Also, we're going to try our best not to give spoilers. Like, again... We're deep diving, but we're sort of diving into the show as a whole. We're not really going storyline by storyline. It's not no. like a review or a wrap-up. It's more the politics of what's going on at the moment in the media with the show. Mm, so, so for those of you who don't know what Euphoria is... There'll be hardly any of you. Which I'm sure Tell there'll be hardly. Yeah, no, this is. It's basically a show on HBO directed by a guy called Sam Levinson. So the HBO website describes it as following a group of high school students as they navigate love and friendships in a world of drugs sex, trauma, and social media. So that's sort of the blurb. And there are the um, themes that if you don't want to hear about. Yes, those are the themes. And basically there's a whole bunch of storylines, but the main character we follow is Rue, who's played by Zendaya, and her journey with addiction. So that is pretty much like the thing mm-hmm. that you're that you're watching. It's also loosely based off of an Israeli show with the same name, which Luce and I didn't realise. I know. Well, because it's also based off Sam Levinson's own drug Own struggles. life. Maybe he loved the name Euphoria. I don't know. And there's likeness with the teenagers of the Israeli show and, like, 
Credit, I mean, he's already getting taken down for enough that I guess you have to sort of say where you got your inspiration Exactly, like he hasn't copied the storylines directly. Um, So season two is streaming now at the moment on Neon. On Neon, everyone. Neon. 14-day free trial. You can definitely get through all five episodes that are out in 14 days. Probably one. Yeah, but probably one a day. You know, it's probably not a five in a day sort of it's show. Definitely not a binge show. No, it's not. Um, and we're up to episode five at the moment, which has come to a sort of climax. I would say. Yep. We. It's just so fucking intense. Like it's so intense. One of the most intense shows I've ever seen. I would say. And like, should we preface that we love it? We do love it. Lucy and I love it. It's beautiful, and yeah. we've just never seen themes like this be touched on in the way that. They are touched on and you Yeah, it. and for anyone who loves the visuals mm. of a TV show or a film, like this is insanely stunning. Yeah. The it's cinematography, gorgeous. the colours, the makeup, the clothes, everything is amazing. Um, and basically season one was received pretty well by critics and fans alike. And now season two... Um, It actually broke season one's ratings, Mm. but there has been a lot of negative commentary around season two, specifically on TikTok. So what is being said on TikTok? So alongside, there's a lot of memes, there's a lot of fan videos, you know, a lot of people kind of theorizing about what's happening and that's all like all good, all fun and games, right? But suddenly... The show's creator, Sam Levinson, is coming up left, right and centre and not in a good light. Like, people are starting to really... It's like a witch hunt. Honestly, you search Euphoria on Mm -hmm. TikTok and there are largely... I mean, me and Liv don't know everything about everything, but we have been looking... There are largely baseless claims and really threatening and scary claims being made towards Sam Levinson about things that we don't actually know about. Absolutely. Some TikTok users are claiming that Levinson is, and this is a quote, an arrogant and vindictive man, that he should not only go to jail but be burned at the stake. People are also saying that they have a bad feeling about him and kind of like accusing him Well, kind of saying that they wouldn't be surprised if in the future people came out to say he'd sexually harass people. Yeah. Like, off of nothing, Yeah, basically. So, Um, just a bit of context about Sam is that, Liv said before, he's the director. He's also the single writer, except for one episode with Hunter Schaefer, um, and he's the creator. So, like, at the start of the show, it's, like, written, created, directed, Sam Levinson. And so people, I guess, when they're looking to place blame, they place it on him. We're going to get into um, a claim that's absolutely not baseless, that actually is, like, very fair against another uh, film that he wrote and directed, Malcolm and Marie. We will get into that, but right now, Euphoria, like, Euphoria on its own, these claims are, like, really intense. They're really intense. for reasons as to why, other than bandwagoning, people were saying all this. Yeah, and there's not many at Oh, so people are even comparing him to Dan Schneider, who is a co-president of the production company behind Zoe 101, iCarly, and Victorious. Yeah, Nickelodeon, like, huge man that made a lot of the things Like, like Drake and Josh, but like, he's everything. he's creepy as fuck. Yeah, and so he was said to be verbally abusive on set, like, by 
a lot of people. There were also rumours about his interactions with young cast members due to certain shots of their bare feet and, like, sexual innuendos in some of the jokes on screen. He was actually investigated at the height of the Me Too movement in 2018, but um, there was not enough evidence yet to support the claims. But people are just coming out and being like, this guy gives me Dan Schneider vibes, just, like, literally off of the fact that obviously – Euphoria is a very explicit show, sexually, drug use, but you can't hold that against the creator of the show and say that they're a creep when they've not done anything wrong. This is artistic expression. And it's based off of his own, like, what he went through. So Sam Levinson was a drug addict. He was, like, I think from, like, his mid-teens to 19. He became clean at 19, but he was, like, very, very addicted to drugs. And so Rue is sort of based off of him. Mm -hmm. Um, So everything that you see, he's had, like, personal experience with. And he's also the son of Barry Levinson, who was a filmmaker who directed films such as Good Morning Vietnam and Rain Man. Mm -hmm. So he's, like, pretty established in the film industry. And he's also made other a couple of other films by himself called Assassination Nation and Happy Day. So what do we actually know that happened with Sam Levinson and the cast of Euphoria? So we touched on it last episode, but Sydney Sweeney, who plays Cassie, came out to the media to say that there were instances where she thought the nudity written into the script was unnecessary. Um, this is an exit taken out of Nylon. She said, there were moments where my character Cassie was supposed to be shirtless and I would tell Sam... I don't really think that's necessary here. Um, And he was like, okay, we don't need it. She added, I've never felt like Sam has pushed it on me or was trying to get a nude scene into an HBO show. When I didn't want to do it, he didn't make me. Sydney also mentioned that there is an intimacy coordinator on set who acts as her advocate, something that's increased since the um, Me Too era. So basically... A lot of these claims about him being a creep comes from the fact that there is so much kind of explicit nudity especially through Sydney Sweeney's character but the thing is Sydney Sweeney has come out and said that she has never felt any pressure yeah and, to do and, anything and a lot of the TikToks that I saw and even people that we've talked to about it they've seen the headline mm-hmm. and that's kind of on some of the media um like organizations and I even ran with that headline from paper in one of the newsletters even though I'd read the article and I like we talked about it on the podcast, the whole article. Um, they ran with the headline saying like Sydney Sweeney asked not to get naked or or things like that. It's like clickbaity headlines. But they just the people on TikTok that I saw didn't either didn't read or didn't choose to include the bit where she said I spoke to Sam. He never made me do anything I didn't want to do. Oh, like they just left that bit out. Totally. And the thing is, on TikTok, people are saying things with such confidence. I know. Like literally just being like, this guy's arrogant. He made Sydney Sweeney be naked when she didn't want to. Like literally all of these huge claims that have major consequences. Huge consequences. And they're just saying it as though it's fact. And it's just not. I know. Well, we couldn't find anything to prove, like at this time of recording, that these were rooted in anything but like bandwagoning and the fact that season one was so good that now people are tearing down season two. So there's also something else that has come out sort of on the rumour mill of Euphoria. Mm -hmm. Um, Fans of Kat Hernandez, played by Barbie Ferreira, are angry about Kat's storyline this season or lack thereof. She's seemed to go from 
someone who's portrayed as like refreshingly confident with sexual agency um, to the stereotypical like kind of fat friend side character that's lacking in confidence and wallowing in self-hate. So people are sort of like, where the fuck did this come from? And people are going with the rumours that there has been a fight between Sam Levinson and Barbie Ferreira over the storyline. But the thing is, these are just rumours. Where they originated from was an email sent to Demois. Demois being that um, celebrity sort of gossip site, which which often is like really good for like getting things in advance, but but they ca- they're not going to get it right all of the time, so we can't trust exactly. everything just because they've got some like, things this right. This might be right, it might be wrong, we mm. don't know, it's just a rumour, but people are literally... Taking it as fact. Yeah, taking it as fact. So the email says, new season of Euphoria is going to be real dark, so much so that some actors, especially Barbie Ferreira, are not vibing with the director's vision. Barbie got into it with him on set and left one day. He then cut a lot of her lines, hence why she's not in the trailer or at the premiere. So that was the rumour, but nothing else has come out to sort of support that claim. Mm. Except for the fact that, like, that is one of my gripes Mm. with the actual plot, but it's a gripe for me about the plot, not about Sam. Exactly, it's about that she has had, like... Yeah, I hate seeing her being this really fucking cool character and then taking more of a side character, but it's like, it's the plot. Like, she might come back out the other side or maybe her relationship with Ethan is making her feel this way or, like, you know, like, it's not, maybe they haven't had a fight. Characters have natural ebb and flow of confidence as we all do as normal Mm. human beings. But also the season's not finished. Yeah. Like, we don't know. There's still three more episodes. Mm. Maybe she just hasn't had her episode yet. Who knows? Yeah. I think we it's, can... It's just another, another rumour that people have found it way too easy. A- another thing with um, Euphoria and about, like, something to think about is how much these characters, like the actors that play them, seem to have agency or really care about their character. Mm-hmm. But, like, at the end of the day, they are acting what the writer like, has written. So if Barbie Ferreira were to have really gotten up in arms about Kat's um, lack of portrayal, like, it's not not that it's not her fight to fight. She obviously loves her character, but she is working with a script that has been written in advance. Like, it's, she's not the one writing it. For sure. It's so funny in terms of people being like, you know, Sam Levinson is ruining the show. He created the show. Like, you love the show because this is what he's written. And obviously... People love it so much that they're so invested in it and kind of can't see that that's why they're having so many gripes is because it's such a good show. Exactly. And it's like it's almost a compliment to it that everyone yeah, cares this much. This much. Like, I, one of my things that I've actually got written down is like I hate that we're even talking about Sam Levinson so much because like I want to talk about the show because I yes, fucking love it. I know. And I kind of want to do another episode later on that we can actually go into like what the fuck happened in the show because, because it's amazing. And, and But then like it's kind of a compliment that people care this much because when you do not know, I mean, I don't know who the fuck wrote Two and a Half Men or The Big Bang Theory or like like mediocre shows no one cares that much, no. so no one looks that hard into them. But it's this classic, like like you said, tall poppy syndrome where something's really good, so then it gets pulled down. Yeah, I think it's just being held to an impossibly high standard. You know, there's the whole thing about the representation on the show, right? You know, it's kind of been coined this Gen Z 
everyone's represented. Um, And so it's being held to this like crazy high standard. And obviously it's impossible for everyone to be represented in a show. Mm. But there have been some incredibly valid points made by, you know, the queer community, Mm -hmm. also the black community saying that they don't feel as invested in the show because there's not many people in the show that they you know, see themselves in, yeah. which is totally fair. Also, um, McKay's character, yeah. he has seemed to be totally dropped from season two. And I've seen a few articles about people wondering why and people are like, you know, he's one of the only black characters in yes. the show. Mm-hmm. Sort of why are you dropping his storyline when he was so involved in mm-hmm. the previous season? And, yeah, that is a question. But, you know, maybe people – maybe his storyline will come out more in – another season Mm. you know in sex education when Maeve and Otis they pretty much like weren't in season two basically Mm. like you know their love yeah their storyline so it's like you need to let things occur but there have been concerns with the trans and lesbian representation on the show which is absolutely fair enough um critic and filmmaker Drew Gregory wrote in a publication called Autostraddle about how the show's queer and trans characters have sort of felt off um and he's saying that this could be due to Sam Levinston's singular writing so the fact that he is the sole writer of the show um this is a quote he that from the article he said that instead of acknowledging his limitations he has stubbornly insisted on writing the main seasons himself unlike any other ensemble on tv I also think that's really fair commentary i think that the single writer thing Mm -hmm. is one of the fairest like gripes people have with the show because i think like you said before when you're trying to represent as many identities as you sort of can you're not always going to get it right and and this is what a lot of people have been saying this is not an original take at all but like and we've even made and like directed we've done a web series which is different but like in a lot of those episodes, I was writing the script, but it was never me being the single writer because it would go through like a bunch of different people to read through it or check it or sensitivity check it. And it might, it, like, it's quite an easy fix being a case of getting other people in the room with Sam, at least not maybe not on every episode. You know, he got Hunter Schaefer in on her episode, and that was like, people are saying it's one of the best ones because it really rounded out her character. And I think a lot of the issues with the queer community is that Jules' episode did such an amazing job of telling her story that then obviously when it went back to Sam Levinson writing, it felt lackluster because there wasn't that other voice in the room who was from that community. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. I think that's a valid, very, very valid critique. I think that But other shows, you're right, do have single writers and they're not getting this type of, like, vitriol. Yeah, exactly. I I do think that this season is much more focused on addiction as its main theme. And I think because of that, other themes have sort of gone to the wayside, Mm -hmm. which is always going to happen because there's only a certain amount of space in a show, right? Like, if something gets bigger, other things have to get smaller. And Rue is also the narrator, so it's all told through what Rue, the person going through addiction, is seeing at the time. For sure. So there is a chance, like, he's not an idiot. He would have written, like, the things that she was seeing and noticing. Exactly. So it's sort of like... I feel like in season one, it was a much more balanced show because Rue's addiction wasn't to the point where it was taking over her life and other people's lives. Whereas now it's sort of like 
billowing out into this really destructive thing that is actually taking away from the storylines of other characters, which kind of is an effect in itself. of addiction. Yeah. That's also something that I'd like to talk about is um, people saying that this is sort of glorifying drug use. And to be honest, this is what I've thought from the get-go, is that, and I actually saw a tweet saying if people think this is glorifying drug use, like I watch it and I'm scared to take an ibuprofen. Fucking terrified. Like it's... It's to me, and to I think a lot of people, it's doing the opposite. It's not making it look glamorous. It's not showing gorgeous people, like, doing cocaine on a weekend out. It's showing the really dark underbelly and, like, mundane, like, trauma that comes with addiction. I think there's a lot of other shows and movies that glamorize drug use a hell of a lot more than Euphoria. This scares the shit out of you. Same. I think people are collating the fact that it's visually beautiful with the fact that there are drugs on screen. But Mm. it's if you actually think about how it's making you feel about drug use. And also, Sam Levinson did say that to kind of understand the lows, you do need to understand the highs of drugs and the place that it has in relieving people of major anxiety or, you know, why people take drugs in the first place, Mm -hmm. right? And so he had to depict that on screen. And I think that's maybe what we saw in season one. It was less, like, intense. And then now we're seeing the dark, dark, dark side, right? But you have to have both to have the contrast. Yeah. You also showed me a really good clip that I think you're going to talk about. Yeah. Sam Levinson actually got asked by a mother whose daughter had been through what both Sam and Rue on screen are going through with addiction. And she asked, should I let my daughter watch this? What's it going to do to her? Yeah, so basically she – it was a really emotional – there was – there's this panel on YouTube that you can all go and watch, which I would really recommend, and it's when audience members can basically ask whatever they want about the show. And there's a lot about the glamorization or – Uh, supposed glamorization of drugs and things like that where they give good answers to but what um sam levinson said in response to this poor mother who you know was obviously pretty much going through exactly what the mum in euphoria Mm -hmm. is going through is basically that the show it's it's such a subjective thing in terms of what will help people and what won't help people. But the show itself isn't a cure. But the point of the show is to create more empathy around addiction. Because if addicts, you know, if they have a really empathetic support system, then they're much more likely to flourish mm. and, and have a chance of getting clean. Yeah. So that is kind of the whole thing. It's like, And if you think about it, well, I know I certainly have more of an understanding about addiction from oh, watching this show. Yeah. You and know, I think that's – I mean, I so love that he said it, it, it's about, like, it's not a fix and it's not even about making people feel seen. No. Like, because that's what the mum was wondering, like, will it make her feel like she's got community or will it make her miss the highs? To be honest – the highs aren't really depicted in this, so I don't know if that's as big of a worry or should be because it's quite scary. But like him being like, it's more about understanding not only Rue but everyone in her life that are all like chasing their own types of euphoria. Like yeah. fucking look at Cassie. She's just wanting to be a good person and be like, like they're all just looking for their own type of euphoria and like – And going about it in different ways. Yeah, and, and Rue's one is – Rue's is very destructive. Yeah, and it's drugs and like the empathy – like – you have a lot more empathy for her, seeing her around all her friends who are all doing this, like, fucked up shit, but her one just happens to be this thing that's going to ruin her life, whereas the other ones are just high school things that you can get over. And it's like, I just, I think people might be missing 
some of the reasons why it's written how it's written. Yeah, and it's really interesting because DARE, which is the Drug Abuse and Resistance Education Organization, have come out. They are they're not very happy with euphoria's portrayal of drugs. This is the quote that they've given. Rather than further each parent's desire to keep their to keep their children safe from potentially horrific consequences of drug abuse and other high-risk behavior, HBO's television drama Euphoria chooses to misguidedly glorify and erroneously depict high school student drug use, addiction, anonymous sex, violence, and other destructive behaviors as common and widespread in today's world. But you know that oh. if you don't show kids, if you don't give kids sugar, then they go up and all they they grow up and they just want to eat all the sugar. Like if you don't show kids things, yeah. then they're likely to go and want to experience for themselves because they've got no fucking idea. Yeah, what's and this is part of the argument that some people are saying that this is not real life. Like this is not what teenagers this do. This is unrealistic. This is unrealistic. And I really think that yeah. Anything on screen is going to be slightly hyperbolized because obviously the boring mundane shit is cut out, right? Oh, like yeah. it's for entertainment's purposes. It's an hour of these people. Yeah. But people that say that teenagers don't go through this shit, yeah, maybe because you didn't go through this shit as a teenager, that doesn't mean that no one did. Yeah. Like I do think that that's coming from a major place of privilege. If drugs and sex and fucked up relationships weren't part of your teenage experience, then that's probably because you're living in quite a lucky Mm, privileged situation situation because you have been sheltered from these things whereas actually Zendaya um, was asked if she was shocked by the content and she said not really which is a sentiment that's echoed by the rest of the cast she said I think it's only shocking if it's not your experience just because it didn't happen to you doesn't mean that it's not happening every day all the time it's just certain people will be able to understand it a little bit more than others someone's going to connect with it and whoever needs to see it will see it Mm. which I think is is a great I agree quote. with that. And, and I heard Senda actually say on an HBO interview as well that, like, she was like, nothing in this show she doesn't feel is done for shock value. She's like, it's nothing is done just for the sake of making a drama. Yeah. Like, when you are in high school, first of all, everything does feel like a drama. Second of all, like, you're right. This, maybe it doesn't look like this, but also this kind of shit's happening. Even we grew up in, like, a real nice place, like little Pretty small town, New Zealand. Town, but, but people were going through shit like this. Like, yeah, again, this was happening. Maybe it wasn't your friends as well, which is also really lucky. But I, yeah, I agree. I think, like, to think, like you said, obviously there's a there's makeup and props and lighting and beautiful shots and film cameras and like this exact look probably wasn't what was happening at your school, but like the ideas of, like, struggling with your identity, feeling like you're someone you're not, your best friend sleeping with your boyfriend. Like, all of this sort of the stuff happening in their high school is not that out the it's gate. It's not that far-fetched. It's a really interesting point when people are just like, this is so unrealistic. And then, I mean, there's, like, the real basic, like, the actors are way too old to be playing teenagers, but it's It's like, like would you want teenagers to be playing these characters? Well, I think, I think they'd probably have, ish, like, people will just Issue with whatever. Issue with whatever. I know. around it went. Which I found, like, that quote from Dare so interesting because it's just, like... They're taking that really old approach where it's like just keep it away from them, scare the shit. Or like when we went to learn about, I learned about deer at high school and, and like Harold and shit. It's like just scare the shit out of them about drugs instead of just like something like this. 
where, yeah, it's probably going to scare the shit out, shit out of them, but maybe more relatable than being like, you do this, you die. Like, exactly, exactly, because that creates problems in itself because then when people take drugs and they don't die, then they think, oh, that was all false. Yeah, so true. Yeah, I think, like, that's probably quite an outdated way. It's like mm. keep it away from them, keep it out of our kids' It's just like with faces. sex education Yeah, in our school, yeah, like – don't show them anything and then yeah. abstinence yeah. and it's like it doesn't fucking work yeah okay so has sam said anything like has he come back against any of these allegations no he hasn't at this point in time i'm really wondering yeah. as to whether he will and i'm actually so open for if he does like there is probably shit that's gone on that we don't, how are we supposed to know that like maybe points to either why he's the single writer maybe he didn't get along with any of the blah 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 or like there could be things that we don't know. Yeah. Definitely. I feel like there'll be a huge inside scoop. I know. At some point. But, but also, just again, one of the things me and Liv have been talking about this week is that people are finding issues with the plot and the storyline, which like, you know, you could say the same about something like Twilight, but then they're going straight to Sam Levinson and being like, you're a terrible person because I don't like the storyline. You don't go to Stephanie Meyer, whoever wrote Twilight, and be like, you're a horrible person, you're probably a massive creep, blah, blah, blah. Because yeah, because Edward's Edward controlling and, and whatever. It's like people are allowed to write problematic characters. That isn't a reflection on their character themselves. It's teaching us things yeah. about the world it's by the, seeing it on screen. Absolutely. Like, we need to see the dark shit sometimes. And it's like with Sally Rooney's character that was um, saying racist statements in her book and then people were being like, Sally Rooney's, Rooney is racist. And it's like, you, no. that can't be a thing. If you're not allowed to write problematic characters, then, like, that well, not is... not even problematic characters. Like, if you're not allowed to write fictional things then what is fiction anymore yeah then does fiction exist so as we sort of stated before the the discourse changed a lot from season one to season two and what was kind of in the middle of that was as lucy said malcolm and marie which was a film that sam levinson made with zendaya as the lead um so I think a lot of Euphoria fans were really, really excited about Malcolm and Marie, and I think it just did not live up to expectation at all. I know personally I didn't really like it. No one I've talked to liked it, no. whether it's for reasons of actually like not liking what was made or because he was telling a black story. So Malcolm and Marie is basically a film, it's like in black and white, again, visually beautiful, and a lot of people have said that that doesn't make up for the, I think, quote, self-centred writing. Mm. Um, basically, it's about a director that's come back from an award show and it's this huge commentary on critics and what you're allowed to put in your show and how, you know, you can take inspiration from many people rather than just a singular character. All of this sort of real intense, like, film shit that mm. I thought just kind of went over my head. I was like, I don't really get it yeah. because I'm not in that realm. Yeah. Um, but then there's been this whole discourse around the the two main characters are black and Sam Levinson is white. And, and he's the sole, like, again, sort of he's writer, the sole writer, director, creator. For sure. So there was a really interesting article by a writer called Brianna Jenksky called um, Malcolm and Marie, A White Tale in Blackface. So what she said was that 
systemic racism is usually an underlying theme in black filmmakers' movies because it's a reality for black people. Levinson in his screenplay falsely reduces it down to a political topic. This is not an authentic black view of systemic racism. This is a white person writing about how they perceive systemic racism through a black character. Racism is not a strictly political matter. It is an objectively moral matter that often gets politicized. Levinson conflates the two because he hasn't experienced the reality of racism. So he can't grasp sort of whatever is outside of politics. And because he's perceiving it in the way that he's perceiving it. Yeah, exactly. Because you actually, you can't write a black person's tale. No, and you fucking shouldn't. Like, I think that is a great... Um, article and like a great line and also such fair critique such fair critique like this is another thing that would have been solved by not making yourself the sole creator of this thing like obviously i actually read that zendaya like sort of confronted all the criticism and said Mm -hmm. john david I and Sam equally own this film. So other, like, black creators were involved. But it is that even if it's, like, a tiny little thing, as as tiny of a thing as at the start of the film, it's, like, directly created, written, Sam Levinson. Like, it's like, why don't you just get all these people that probably did help you with the film and, like, credit them yeah. where you're crediting yourself? If he has done this research, he needs to put that in there, right? Um, Brianna Jansky also says that Levinson would have done well to have more in-depth conversations with black people to better understand how they view themselves in their identity. The character Levinson wrote seems to shy away from his identity and not embrace it. So I think here she's not even saying that he shouldn't write any black character Mm. kind of, you know, at all. She's saying that you can do this, but you need to take the right protocol and obviously discuss it with the people that you're actually trying to represent. Yeah. Which, which, like, that, I I think basically everyone that watched this had the same thoughts and feelings. So, like, I think, yeah, that's something that maybe he, because he did this before season two of Euphoria. And so it's like, okay, bro, you've written a fucking cool show. Like, we love it. But... You have had a chance to think about maybe getting more writers in the room, yeah. and you've seen how well Hunter Schaefer's episode with you did, and like that is the solve. I think that is the solve, and I definitely. would love to hear his take on why he hasn't, for sure, and, and if he has, why they weren't credited, like, or who else did you run this by? Who sensitivity checked? That definitely happened. Totally, sensitivity, sensitivity checks checks would have definitely happened, but where's where are the receipts? Like where, and and I think if he can talk to that, and it's just been renewed for season three, and like if that's the gripe everyone's having, which that's not even really the gripe people are having. That's not the gripe people are having with Euphoria. With Euphoria, people think that the plot is shit, so they don't like him. But with Malcolm and Marie, like I don't know if he wants to do another film like that. Well, he probably won't or shouldn't. But just get more fucking writers in the room. Yeah, exactly. Or just take that experience and make you for it even better than it already is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that is just such an interesting conversation. And I hate the way that he's being 
absolutely demolished on social media. And it's so interesting on that point, seeing because I spend a lot of time on Twitter and every time there's a new episode, there's so much discourse about it. And on Twitter for the past four episodes, it's been like, what's Sam Levinson doing? Sam's a creep. He should go to jail for this, like blah, blah, blah. And then this last episode was like, oh, my God, like, Sam um, has really resurrected himself. Like, this writing's so amazing. Like, he's really, you know, it's like he heard us and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, we all need to remember that these shows would have been fully written. They're not being written week by week. Like, this would have all been written. Like, he's not sitting there reading our Twitter comments and being like, man, my plots have been lackluster. Like, let me write a banger for episode five. Like, social media is wild about this and honestly it is silly it's so self-involved of the people on social media to think that he's like seen their tweets and therefore it's like this would have been made a year ago yeah or like even i mean longer i mean we don't even know what's based from his actual life so it's just it's all really interesting and i think yeah the social media and the bandwagoning and the pulling down of a show just because it's good is like the most interesting yeah, thing just about this. don't take to social media without fully researching it first and saying it with such confidence and doing it just to tear someone down. Mm, mm. Again, talk to us in five years' time. I'd love to see what's come out, if anything, or like a retrospective look at the writing and the show yeah, and we're, stuff. We're speaking from now and what we know. Yeah, and now. we've tried. Actually, shout out to a really good... Um, really good article in Slate, which came out yesterday, basically, again, trying to debunk why people were hating Sam Levinson so much. It basically said what me and Liv have said here. Like, they looked, they tried to answer all these questions that we're trying to answer and found, came to the similar conclusion of like, yeah, there have been things, there have been murmurings, but none of it really adds up to the level of absolute, like... Yeah, for, like know, the, hatred. the hatred, the actual hatred going on. Anyway, you guys should watch the show, though. Fuck, it's good. Yeah, and let us know if we've missed anything. Let us know if you have actually seen a valid source that has said something else. Yeah. We would love to hear. Yes. This is what we've found throughout our research. And, and like, honestly, we'll probably do something else on Euphoria again because, like, there's so much to talk about. we haven't even been able to go into this. We haven't gone into any any of the actual goodness of it, which is so annoying. But, I, I mean, this has also been a really, like, enjoyable, good chat, been really interesting to research. Now, aside from the next sort of upcoming episodes of Euphoria Live, what is on your radar Okay, so on my radar, actually, this is still to do with Euphoria. Oh. Um, basically, I have got a camera. Um, I've been lent a camera over summer from my friend, and I've just been loving, you know, photography at the moment. And my, what's on my radar is a few of the photographers that Euphoria was sort of based off mm-hmm. of, and well, or that were inspiration for the cinematography of Euphoria. So, two people, Todd Heido and also a woman called Nan Golding. Um, yeah, I just kind of want to. Are they like what you showed me? Yeah. Yeah, just beautiful. Just beautiful like, photography. And I'm sure people that are into photography probably know about mm. them. I just don't at all. But mm. yeah, so that's sort of a niche on my radar. What about you, Liz? Um, my, on my radar, I didn't think about it until this morning, everyone, I'll be honest, but then my flatmate Hayden, our flatmate Hayden walked in and said, Lucy, have you watched The Tinder Swindler? And I was like, no. And he's like, 
Okay, you've got to watch it. And to be fair to him, he recommended King Richard to me and Liv, which was a fucking he incredible movie. Does have some good recommendations, Best, but he skip watches. So what Hayden yeah. does is he like will watch a movie and then he'll just press like like his next, little next, his little next, next, next button next. and then just like skip through it. Anyway, the Tinder Swindler apparently is like really good. Hayden said that it tells the story of like this con man called Simon Lviv. It's a real story um, who basically was a fraudster. He posed as the son of a wealthy diamond mogul and swindled the woman he dated on Tinder out of millions of dollars. And Hayden also said that he went on this guy's Instagram um, like today and he was like saying, this is all false, like blah, 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 blah. So it's a real life thing that if you're someone that after you watch a movie like wants to know more, you can actually know more because the bro's still posting about That's it. That's so interesting. So I think we should we should definitely watch that. Yeah, for sure. The Tinder Swindler. The Tinder Swindler. And Liv, I think for now that might be all that the voices can handle. Oh, probably honestly. the ears on the other end can handle. Us just going at it. But thank you so much for listening, oh, everyone. As always. And thank you to Tiahe Butler, our wonderful producer. To Liv, the wonderful co-host who joins me each week. And to Lucy. And to Lucy. Or also and, turning up. And to myself. Good work, Lucy. And waiting for me to be like, and, and my Lucy. Friend Rebecca. And thank you to my friend Rebecca. You've got the oh, voice of an angel. Honestly, Rebecca, <laughs> you, you should pursue that because I think it will take you far. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.